Hello and welcome to Farm D Unscripted, where we inspire you, educate you, and guide you to write the prescription for your life. I am Dr. Bree. And I am Dr. Laquita J. We are your hosts of this lovely podcast. So without further ado, let's get unscripted. What's up, FarmD Unscripted listeners? Dr. Laquita J and I have an extraordinary guest joining us today because he is a doctor not one time, but two times over. What do I mean by that? Our guest, Dr. Richard Harris, is not only a pharmacist, he is also a board-certified internal medicine physician. Dr. Richard E. Harris II was born in Cleveland, Ohio, and raised in Houston, Texas. Dr. Harris attended the University of Texas at Austin for pharmacy school, then went on to obtain his medical degree from the McGovern School of Medicine in Houston. He completed his residency in internal medicine at the University of Texas Medical Branch at Galveston. Dr. Harris worked for a large medical group in Houston, but ended up leaving in order to pursue his holistic medicine. Dr. Harris has a client-centric view, focusing on building relationships and trust through comprehensive lifestyle medicine system that is combined with genetic and micronutrient testing. In his spare time, he is an avid reader, weightlifter, video game enthusiast, and author of educational curriculum. Dr. Harris also enjoys sports, traveling, philanthropy, church, and keto donuts. So, (laughs) yes, you have to make me some, Dr. Harris. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. They are the best. (laughs) So, yes, please welcome Dr. Richard E. Harris II to our show, Farm D. Inscripted. Yes, welcome, Doctor Harris. Okay. Thank you, thank you so much for for having me. And you know, I love seeing pharmacists do big things because a lot of pharmacists are are stuck. They feel trapped nowadays. And yes. I tell people that your skill set as a pharmacist translates so well to so many other careers. There's numerous doors that are open for you. You just have to learn to think outside the box. And so I love what y'all ladies are doing. The positivity, the energy. You know, God's blessings on on both of y'all it's fantastic oh thank you dr harris that's so nice (laughs) yes 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 so oh okay it is a pleasure to have you on the show we are excited to hear your journey from farm d to md to holistic wellness so i want to begin by like what influenced your desire to be in healthcare? well as a kid my parents told me I wanted to be a doctor. I don't remember this, uh, but I, there was a photo that when I got into med school that they found and I had drawn that I wanted to be a physician because I wanted to help people. I had completely forgotten this. I originally wanted to do biomedical physics and did physics for a year, loved physics, hated math. Uh, and so those high level theoretical math classes, I was like, no, no, this ain't, <laughs> this, this ain't for me. <laughs> this is not, mm-mm. this is, this is not it. This is not it. Well, so, I'm still wondering how you did physics because I hated mm-hmm. that class. So. Oh man, I love physics. Cause it, it it's like the, how the universe works, mm. right? It makes sense once you get down to it, like, 
okay, I would sit there and I'd calculate how fast I'd have to go to catch up to cars and st- all kinds of nerdy stuff, right? <laughs> so that part I love. But after I switched out of that, my other love was biology and anatomy. And so I did bench research for a couple years, figured out I wanted to do something in healthcare, didn't know what I wanted to do, worked in the dean of pharmacy's lab. And he basically told me, apply to pharmacy school, I'll make sure you get in. I had no idea what a pharmacist did. Mm. Zero, zero. But I got into pharmacy school. In my first year of pharmacy school, I realized I wanted to go to medical school. But I'd never quit anything in my life, and I wasn't about to quit pharmacy school, and it ended up being one of the best things that ever happened to me. Oh, wow. That's, I, I think you and I kind of line with that because I, too, was in pharmacy school and realized, like, I don't think I like pharmacy the way I think I do. So mm-hmm. I agree, and that's why I went and got my MPH degree because I believe mm-hmm. I have a mm-hmm. true love for public health. So I totally agree with you on that. So you knew your first year that you Mm -hmm. wanted to also pursue your doctorate of medicine. And when did you decide, like, I'm going to do this? You know, that that first year, because my first year in pharmacy school, I was 21. So I was still pretty young and and still figuring things out, still figuring myself out. I never really sat down before that and had hard conversations with myself. And so because pharmacy school is so challenging, especially, you know, y'all know that first year is rough. Yes. That first year is is brutal, 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 brutal. And so it forced me to grow up very quickly and it forced me to be very introspective and have very tough conversations with myself about what do I want to do? Who do I want to be? And because of that, I realized that I do want to go to medical school, but I enjoyed what I was learning so much in pharmacy school and the experience and the knowledge that I was taught that I wanted to finish that out first. Wow. So did you go to medical school right after pharmacy school or how did that transition come about? Mm -hmm. So I applied for medical school my fourth year of pharmacy school because I knew if I got out and got used to that money, I wasn't going to go back. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. Because, you know, you come out, you know, we were, I was 24. You make a good living. You know, it's hard to to go back to being that broke kid eating ramen noodles. Right. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> so I knew that I was like, OK, I'm going to give myself a year to recharge to actually work, save up some money. But I already knew that I had gotten into medical school by the time I had started my job as a pharmacist. Mm. Wow. So what area of pharmacy did yeah. you work in? So I worked at MD Anderson. So I did an uh, inpatient uh, staff pharmacist uh, at Anderson. It was an incredible experience because chemo pharmacy is hard, mm-hmm. very hard. The learning curve was very steep coming out of uh, college. But I had wonderful coworkers. I had wonderful bosses. And I learned a lot about how to be a good clinician and how to be an effective pharmacist with ensuring accuracy and timely delivery and making sure that you know medications were were prepared properly it taught me a lot about a side of medicine that I would have never been exposed to if I had just gone to medical school mm. I agree I truly agree so I guess my question is well then since you're talking how has your PharmD helped you become a mm-hmm. better MD then mm-hmm. oh it was yeah how, how, how has that? How's that process? Uh, I mean, it was in value. I can't even stress this enough. So my classmates in medical school hated me, absolutely <laughs> hated me because I would finish our tests in like 15 minutes. Wow. 
And they'd be like, Richard, this is not fair. I'm like, listen, I paid my dues. You know, I went through the same. I went through this in pharmacy school. Mm -hmm. Right. The first two years of medical school and pharmacy school are very, very similar. The only difference is we got more physiology in pharmacy school and we got more anatomy in medical school. So a lot of the concepts and the, and the core practices I already knew. And because of how rigorous pharmacy school was, I knew myself very well. And so I knew what I needed to do to make an A, what I needed to do to make a B, how much time to devote to this class, how much time to devote to that class. And so I was able to work 20 hours a week at Anderson, you know, helping to pay for medical school at the same time as going to school. What? Wow. <laughs> that is absolutely amazing. Yes, mm -hmm. that is really, wow, that is crazy. So what advice do you have for young people who want to become mm -hmm. a doctor of medicine about the mm -hmm. process of residency? What are some things that mm -hmm. you've learned in your journey or that you wish that you would have known? The number one thing I wish I had known going into residency was it's hard and everyone tells you it's hard but you can't even fathom how hard it is and, and how much it it takes out of you uh i wasn't really prepared for that uh, I, I knew it was going to be challenging but i didn't know it was going to be that challenging and i wish people had been more honest and more real about what you go through when you're going through uh, residency training now the, the biggest advice that i give to people when they say that they want to be an md i tell them don't just take biology and chemistry courses because that narrows your focus and those classes essentially become worthless the moment you get in grad school mm -hmm. right so i tell people take you know business classes take psychology classes take philosophy classes take classes outside your core requirements because when you get out all that other stuff matters you know having a good business sense matters you know i have physician colleagues who are five hundred thousand dollars in debt and never reconsolidated their loans until i told them they need to reconsolidate their loans wow right mm -hmm. you know they weren't putting in the 401k um, you know, we have patients now, especially in Houston, from all over the world. So if you don't know about other cultures, about other philosophies, about other religions, you're going to have a hard time truly connecting and making a difference with someone who doesn't look the same as you. Oh, Dr. Harris, now you over here speaking all kind of truth. Okay, today you speaking because that is so true. And I know a lot of times we narrow our focus so much. Sometimes when you like, I want to do this one thing so much, but there's mm -hmm. so many things that encompass you to actually being able to survive in the field because it's not right. all chemistry and biology and anatomy. Like you really have to have a full picture. So that is so important. Mm -hmm. That really is. Mm -hmm. I love that. And um, now what advice do you have for maybe a pharmacist who is thinking thinking of taking mm -hmm. the same path you took and mm -hmm. they they also desire to pursue a degree in medicine. Mm, absolutely. You know, I would tell them that you already have a very, very solid foundation. And I know a couple, there are a couple crazy people like me who are MD PharmDs. And in general, they make excellent physicians because you're able to see things from two different perspectives, right? So when I'm signing a script and when I work in the hospital, I know what that person is going to go through at the pharmacy when, when they go to the pharmacy, right? And so I keep that in mind when I do certain things. I look at the, the medications and the interactions. I think about prescribing medications differently, and I'm extremely particular about the medications I use. So you have an amazing foundation. The second thing, I think, the and the most important thing is that if you're thinking about doing that transition, 
transition. Here's the moment I decided to do it. I was sitting there and I was thinking, is this something I really want to do? And I told myself, okay, when you look back, when you're like 65 and you look back at your life, if you don't do this, will you be mad at yourself? And the answer was yes. And that was it. That's all it took. As soon as I knew that answer was yes, I decided to apply the next day. So don't ever let people tell you that you're crazy. Don't ever let people tell you that you're giving up a good thing. Don't ever let people tell you that you're too old. I had a guy in my med school class who was 45 years old starting med school. It was his childhood dream. And he had a business, was successful, sold his business and said, you know what? I'm going to pursue my dream. So don't let people who don't understand your internal clock, your internal drive and what God has put on your heart deter you from walking into your blessings. You better say that. Yes. Wow. Yes. So it seems like you had to overcome a lot. What what are some things, what kind of experiences you had to overcome to get? Mm Because that mentality comes from someone who's been through something. Mm. Mm -hmm. So Mm. I want to know what Mm -hmm. what experiences have you gone Mm -hmm. through to where to bring that mentality out? So I think the earliest that I can remember that that gave me a sense of drive and perseverance no matter what is in high school I played basketball and I was I was a good player. I never wanted to play in college or anything like that, but I had a couple colleges looking at me at my junior year and I remember I was at Rice basketball camp and I was talking to the head basketball coach at, at Rice and I told him that I might not even make my high school team next year and he, the look on his face was he was blown away. He was like, there's no way that you couldn't play for any high school in the state of Texas. But my coach didn't like me for some reason. And so I didn't play, even though all my teammates knew I was good enough to play. These college coaches knew I was good enough to play. I thought myself I was good enough to play. But for some reason, that's wasn't in the cars. It's not what God had set aside for me. And so... That was the first time that I I really had to push through a a heavy set of adversity at a young age to continue on my path and my goals. I still pushed my teammates. I still wanted us to win. Uh, The next one was in college. I remember the first time I went to my counselor and said, hey, I'm thinking about um, going to pharmacy school. And she told me, you won't get in. And I was like, okay. And so I, I left and I just came back with my acceptance letter, put it on her desk and walked out. Yes. And I had the same thing happen to me when I Mm -hmm. went to visit a a college. I won't say the name of it, even though I feel like I should. But I was visiting the school. I loved the school. I had a relationship with the school since I was young. And uh, the assistant dean of the program told me that I wasn't good enough to get into pharmacy Mm -hmm. school. Mm -hmm. And I knew then I said, well, I'm going (laughs) to I'm going to get there and I'm going to finish and I'm going to be a pharmacist because no one is going to tell me what. I can or cannot do and you don't know me Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so wow yeah right right it just shows you never let anything external decide your internal right Right. Uh, one of my favorite lessons is the space between stimulants and response is a space that we a hundred percent control and that's the space for growth Mm. you know we can't determine a lot what happens to us but we can determine how we react to that. That's 100% us. That's our ownership, right? And that's how we grow is by our response to certain stimulus. And what do we do about it? Do you fall down and stay down? Or do you get up every time? Come on. Yes, we are going to get up. <laughs> I love Absolutely. that. And so Absolutely. now let's talk about your your company, how you mm-hmm. discovered great health and wellness. Basically, 
you talked about how you were working in a hospital setting and you felt Mm -hmm. the need to go into holistic health to look at people more as a whole and how um i think you called it fast food medicine which i Mm -hmm. love that was hilarious (laughs) to me and how you didn't have enough time so kind of tell us about that journey and Mm -hmm. what inspired your holistic health passion so initially it started in college uh, to be more holistic because, you know, I was always someone who was involved in athletics and I liked working out and, you know, I believed in, in food is thy medicine. Um, I believe that God has abundantly provided all the nutrition that we need in, in the form of, you know, plants and animals and all the stuff that's natural. So I was always more on that side. And then I really looked at my family tree when I was in college and I had everything in my family tree, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, cancer, high blood pressure high cholesterol, diabetes, strokes, uh, fibromyalgia, chronic pain, autoimmune disease, thyroid disease. I mean, the, the list goes on and on. And I realized that I really need to take good care of myself because I knew that's where my genetics lie. Like if I went down the same path as my parents, if I didn't take care of myself, this was probably going to be my future. And I didn't want that. And then I got out in medical, uh, medical school and residency, and I tried to apply that same holistic principle in, a, in the large group. And I literally had other physicians laughing at me in the group, like Mm. literally. Like that stuff doesn't work. What are you doing? Why are you wasting your time on that? And I got no support from the the physicians there. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to go do this on my own because this is what my passion is. And then when I left the group, some of the patients that had followed that holistic route, they were losing 40 pounds, down 50 pounds, off blood pressure medication, off cholesterol medication, off diabetes medication. And then the people in my group hit me up and they're like, hey, uh, Richard, can we uh, get some of your notes and some of your outlines? Because, you know, your, your former patients are doing really well. And I was like, oh, okay, now, now, <laughs> now you believe me, right? Right, now you right? believe <laughs> Right, right. And so I just, and knowing my pharmacy background, my pharmacy background actually prepared me to read clinical trials better than my medical background did. So I know the data, especially on drugs and how really non-efficacious a lot of medications are, right? You look Mm -hmm. at like statins, right? Billion dollar blockbuster drugs and your absolute risk reduction, you know, the the absolute percentage of people that improve from it or or decrease risk is like three to nine percent. So that means that 91 to 97% of people on these medications will see no benefit, right? That's staggering. Yeah. So I, I know that the holistic route is the way to go. I know that's what people need and how to reverse this burden of chronic disease that we have. And the fast food, 15 minute cookie cutter visits, it, that's not enough to really dig down and drill in and get people to buy in. Yes. So what services do you offer with great health and wellness? Sure. So I used to have an on or a physical location, and then I realized I could do everything online and, and save overhead and pass those savings on to the clients. So I, I have three routes. So one, I have just lifestyle medicine. So when people come to see me and they're like, hey, I want to get off my medication. I want to feel better. What do I need to do? I, I outline all the daily practices that can help your health or hurt your health, right? And I walk people through their daily routine. You know, what do you do in the morning? What do you do in the afternoon? What do you do in the evening? And then I point out the things that they're doing that are harming them or are, are contrary to their goals and the things that are aligned with their goals. 
So that's the first layer. The second layer is more personalized medicine. So I take a lot of supplements. I'm, I'm a big believer in some uh, supplements, but I check my own DNA and my own micronutrient values to see exactly what does my body need. So all the supplements I take, I, I personalize it to myself. So that's what I do for my clients is I do personalized medicine as well to where we can figure out exactly based upon your genetics and your lifestyle, what's the best route for you to go. And then the third tier is health coaching, right? So helping people walk through their journeys, because even if you do the the genetic testing, if you do the micronutrient testing, you may not get the answer right on the first try. Because as much as we know about the human body, there's more that we don't know. Mm -hmm. Right. So you have to really try to sometimes figure out exactly what's the best route and tinker and change things slightly to find the ideal regimen for that individual, which is going to be completely different than, you know, what you need versus what my dad needs versus what I need versus what my girlfriend needs. We're all different people. Dr. Harris, you shouldn't have mentioned girlfriend. Now, yeah. <laughs> you, you, we was having hope, Dr. Harris. <laughs> you always got to shout out the significant other, right? Yes. I'm trying yes. to stay out of trouble. Yes. <laughs> as you should. As you should. Yeah. Definitely. Exactly. <laughs> well, that so is I just, awesome. I do have a question on one of your podcast episodes you talk mm -hmm. about ketosis so mm -hmm. ketosis the thing about that i know some people is more is heavy in protein heavy in mm -hmm. protein and uh, also healthy fats and not mm -hmm. less mm -hmm. carbs but the mm -hmm. thing about that is also people watch like what the health and mm -hmm. it talks about being more you know having a vegan uh, i say mm -hmm. vegetarian diet mm -hmm. how do you find that balance this is actually a really good subject because I get a lot of questions based upon those documentaries. Most of those documentaries are very poorly done and they're cherry picking their data. So the, the, the best studies I found on this subject show that unless you have a medical condition that favors one nutrition plan or another, it doesn't matter if you're high fat, low carb, vegan, carnivore, whatever. The most important part is that you're eating whole foods, that you're having a nutrient-dense nutrition plan. So the easiest thing I tell people for this is, what do I eat? Right? They ask me, what do I eat? Mm -hmm. If it doesn't walk, swim, run, or come from the ground, don't eat it. If it comes in a box, don't eat it. And if you look on the back in the label and you need a PhD in biochemistry to understand <laughs> what's in it, don't eat it. it it's that simple. Mm, awesome. And the, People are like, well, what does that leave? I'm like, fruits, vegetables, nuts, meats, right? This is what we, our ancestors ate, you know, uh, hundreds of years ago to so thousands of years ago. The stuff that comes from the ground, the stuff that's living, animals, seafood, you know, the actual real foods and not this processed garbage, basically. Mm, I totally agree with that. And I guess I wanted to also ask, what are some micronutrient deficiencies do you mm -hmm. see often during a test? Mm -hmm. Like what's like a common micronutrient mm -hmm. that's deficient? Yeah, that's a very uh, astute question. Uh, I actually just recorded a podcast on this <laughs> that's going to be releasing soon <laughs> okay. uh, because it, it, it's not uncommon. There was a study that came out last year that showed 10% of Americans have nutrient deficiencies, like severe nutrient deficiencies mm -hmm. that can lead to chronic disease. And so some of the most common ones we see are iodine. So iodine is very important for your thyroid function. And, you know, a lot of people have moved away from iodized table salt to 
Himalayan rock salt and, and, and Celtic sea salt, which is great. That has trace minerals. It has less sodium. There's a lot of healthy beneficial properties, but the problem is it doesn't have iodine. So the government added iodine to salt because we don't tend to eat a lot of the natural sources of iodine. And that's mainly from like fish heads. That's where our ancestors mainly got iodine from. So that's a, a, a nutrient deficiency that I'm seeing a lot. A lot of people come in with hypothyroid symptoms and they're put on medication when really they just need some iodine in their diet. Mm. Another one is magnesium. You know, magnesium is very important in the body. It's involved in over 300 different reactions in the body. And magnesium is low, number one, because of the high processed food diet. Number two is because of soil depletion. So our farming practices, for the most part, aren't as, as conducive to regenerating the minerals and the vitamins in, in the soil. Plus, there's what, like 7 billion people now on this planet. So a lot of those nutrients that were in the ground are now floating around in all of us. Right. Mm -hmm. So magnesium deficiencies are, are very common. And the third one that I probably see the most is uh, omega-3 fatty acids. So your standard American diet, the high processed food, high carb nutrition plan, usually some will show about a 20 to 1 omega-6 to omega-3 ratio. Omega-6 acids are the inflammatory causing acids. Omega-3 are anti-inflammatory. So you can see if you have a 20 to 1 ratio, you're going to be favoring inflammation in the body. So a lot of people don't eat those fatty fish anymore that was our main source you know salmon halibut cod you know those cold water fatty fish and so a lot of people have to supplement omega-3s to help balance out that ratio mm, that is very interesting so we definitely want to talk a little bit more about your podcast which is called mm -hmm. strive for great health so mm -hmm. why did you start this podcast and what did you want to accomplish with it. Sure. So I started the podcast because I get the same questions all the time. And, you know, instead of telling people, individual people, this, the same thing over and over again, I wanted a platform where I could put a lot of the information out there in an easily digestible format. You know, I think a, a lot of the problems with this information is a lot of the experts who know the information aren't great communicators. Yes. So they, they, there's a mismatch. They're telling people all this high level level technical stuff, which people aren't getting. So I like to break it down in a way that everyone can understand. I use a lot of analogies to make it so people can understand exactly why this is important. Because the why is very important. It's not enough to just tell you the information. I need to tell you why is this information important and how does this pertain to your everyday life? I definitely got that out of your episodes. I said, mm -hmm. wow, you really break the information down to where people can understand it. And especially people who don't have a medical background. So right. I, I love that. And one thing that I really admired and loved about one of the episodes that I heard was that you are a black man who is talking about men's health. And that is just so unique and so important because we hear about women's health all the time, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. we hardly ever have that same attention or spotlight on men's health. So right. why is this topic so important to you? So I think it's very important for men, especially men as leaders, as as the head of the household, to set the example, right? Yes. And and 
we all want our children to be healthy. Well, if you want your children to be healthy, you have to model the way, right? They're going to pick up your behaviors. And so we really, really need our men to be focused on their health, especially their mental health, to take these things seriously, to go to the doctor when things are wrong, to get checkups, and, and to really spearhead the way into the next generation of health. Yes. We put this into our curriculum. We've put in there the importance of nutrition, the importance of exercise, what it does for your mental health, what it does for your spiritual health, how it helps you be more productive and how it helps you achieve your goals. Yes, it truly does. So where can like our listeners connect with you and learn more about you? Your sure. business, your services, all that good stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, my podcast is a great place to start uh, the Strive for Great Health podcast. You know, it's on iTunes, Spotify, Android, YouTube. Uh, you can connect with me on Instagram or Twitter. And that's just Dr. Harris, Dr. Harris, MD. And then just check out my website, theghwellness.com. Uh, for people who are interested in keto we want to learn how to do keto the correct way we have a a facebook group called keto connected where we post recipes and inspirational stories there's tons of transformations on there it's it's really great to see what happens when people buy in and start taking control of their health i love that yes cool throughout this entire this entire episode you have consistently dropped jewels throughout. So we like to end our podcast with the jewel. Mm -hmm. And do you have any kind of words of encouragement or inspiration you'd like to give our listeners? Yes, I, I think this is a quote from uh, Daniel Kahneman. And it's one of my favorite quotes because once you understand it, then you really get how to prioritize. And the quote says that nothing is as important as you think it is in that moment, right? And and so a lot of us will, overemphasize things will say this is so important this is so I have to do this now I have to do this now I have to do this now it's going to be in the world if I don't do it and then if it doesn't get done nothing happens and if it does nothing really changes mm. so it's just how do you prioritize your life how you think about things and it's okay to push things to tomorrow or next week you know just think about the impact of what that would have on your life and really prioritize the things that are important to you yes i love that well again thank you so much dr harris for joining us today it has truly been a pleasure talking with you yeah absolutely i thank you guys for having me and and again uh, I love what you guys are doing. I love the, the work that y'all are doing and how you're trying to get out there, empower the community, empower pharmacists. That's something that I'm very passionate about. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. So that is the end of our show. We hope that you enjoyed it and that this great conversation inspired you. Just remember that you write your own prescription for your life. Don't forget, sharing is caring. So tell a colleague or a friend to come join in on all of this fun. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at FarmD Unscripted so you can interact with us, leave feedback, share your stories, and all that goodness that social media has to offer. Offer. Well, until next time, we will see you later.